Hi, friends, and welcome to 24 Karat Conversations. I'm your host, Rhonda Velez. Let's be real. Testing and trials are never fun. But what I have found is that we aren't alone in those seasons. My favorite Bible verse is Job 23.10. For when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We're going to share some amazing stories of people who have endured and emerged as pure gold in the midst of hard circumstances. We're going to laugh, probably cry, and get super transparent about life and the struggles we endure. So sit back, relax. It's about to get real. Hello, 24 Carat Tribe. I'm so excited to be back. It's been a while since we have done this podcast. And I have a new friend who I adore. I love her. Uh, we met through our church. Her name is Natalie Reedman. And I'm so excited to have her on because, you know, we have both been through something. I mean, I don't think it's any club that any of us want to go through. Uh, the grief club. It's not a fun club. Um, but you know, when you're enduring it and you're going through it, loss can just be so hard to navigate through. So I wanted Natalie to come on and share her story, but also we wanted to have a conversation around grief. And for us, you know, grief has a lot to encompass with losing a child, but grief doesn't always encompass losing a relative or a child. Sometimes it is losing something special to you, something close to you, a job, a friend, a spouse, whatever that might be. So I wanted to welcome Natalie. Thank you so much for being on today. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to sit down and talk. Finally. I know. I know. So I want you to tell 24 Karat Tribe all about your journey and kind of what the process that you went through when you were dealing with grief was. I'd love to. So uh, just to go back and give a little context of my life. So I am a pastor's kid. So pretty much, that's right. Grew up in the church, grew up just being around the things of God and just growing up in the faith. And so interestingly, as I got older, you know, they talk about how your parents' faith, you know, you wanted to become yours. In my young adult years, I made that my goal. I wanted to make my faith my own and um, found myself moving to a different state to be a part of a school of ministry, not really to be in ministry, but to really get that foundation settled in my life. And that is actually where I met Jesse, my husband. Uh, we met in the young adults group and got married. And it was interesting because I never thought, I never thought I was going to be a mom. I always grew up thinking, you know what? I just, maybe this whole kid thing isn't quite for me, but Jesse comes from a big rowdy rambunctious family <laughs> and he has always been very pro kid. So um, after we got married over the years, I found my heart really changing and turning and we ended up having a, a baby boy named Graham. And he was just the most precious gift of God that we had ever received. And so for 14 months, he was with us. And I just remember thinking how, how amazing and precious it was that God entrusted us with a little life. There's just like, there's no weight in life. I feel like because parenthood is a weight of yeah. sorts, but it is such a precious and just a precious weight. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I remember marveling, just like, God, you gave us this tiny human to grow and raise. And, and we were so blessed in that. And I remember like, we just, there were things that we did as parents. We, we made it a point. We read this book called, uh, I think it's the power of blessing your children or something like that. And is it Mary, Mary Swope? Um, I'll have to get back to you with the exact book de- details, but her whole, the whole premise of the book was blessing your children to bestow godly identity. And this is what the patriarchs of old did uh, for the generations that came after them. They would bless them and put that identity on them. And so that's something that we decided to do with Graham. We're like, we we blessed him every opportunity that we got. And it was like, it felt like this perfect like existence in a way. Of course, you go through sleeplessness and all the yeah. things that you go through as a new parent, but um, we felt just very sure and, and like we had a great foundation going into parenthood. So, um, so fast forward, uh, Graham was 14 months old, um, 14 and a half months old. I had actually been called away on a business trip to go to Switzerland for my job. And, um, I, it was really interesting because there are, I don't think that God plans for, for stuff to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. like he doesn't cause bad things or evil, but I remember the week leading up to grand passing away and me going on this trip. Actually, I was in this church service and I remember just feeling this new side of the Lord that I hadn't experienced before. It was almost like he was pulling me close, just just inching me closer to him. And, um, and I remember the service was just, you know, it was, it was a service almost of rededication where, you know, we were saying to the Lord, you know, we want to serve you for the rest of our lives. It was just this precious moment. I felt this drawing close to the Lord. And I really thought like, oh, this is preparation for, you know, my work trip and everything that I'm experienced there. And what I didn't know is actually preparation for the hardest phone call of my life. And, um, I remember I was actually, this was the second or third day of my work trip and we had a break during one of the sessions and I had decided to get on Facebook to just, you know, check up on things as you do. And I remember scrolling through and then seeing a post from my brother-in-law and he said, uh, please pray for baby Graham. He's having trouble with his breathing. And immediately I just, my heart stopped and I was like, what is going on? And so I stepped out of the room and immediately called, uh, my husband and it rang and rang, called him again, rang and rang, didn't, didn't come through. Finally, I called, uh, Sherry, his mom. I thought if something was going on, she would probably know. And so I, I called her and then when she picked up the phone, I could tell she had been crying and it was in that moment I knew I knew and she said I'm gonna pass the phone to Jesse she was with Jesse and um and then when Jesse got on the phone he told me that Graham had passed away in the middle of the night uh Jesse had found him the next morning and um I remember just being like what (laughs) that's impossible like that's impossible. This is 
something you hear, you know, on the news or something like this doesn't feel real. And, um, I remember just asking him questions and like, what happened? And, you know, um, you know, describe it to me. And, um, and then at a certain point, as he was like talking through it, I just, it's almost like this wave of the Holy spirit came on me. And, and I, it came to my mind, what must he be feeling right now mm-hmm. as the only parent who was home with him, mm-hmm. you know, the, the load and the, the potential guilt of that. And I said, Jesse, it was like the inspiration of the Holy spirit. I said, Jesse, this is not your fault. Okay. Not your fault. I love you. I am coming home and we're going to figure this out. Okay. He said, okay. And he, I found out later that they, they had planned to wait to tell me until I got home. And so I'm, I'm super thankful that even though I think my brother-in-law, I think he was kicking himself that he put the, the status update out there like that, but it really, I I would have wanted to know as soon as possible. So immediately, you know, went home and. And so you're at at this point, you're like in another country. I'm in another country. You're like trying to just, I can't even begin to imagine the amount (laughs) of heaviness and getting, I mean, it's hard enough when I travel away from my family and I know that they're safe. But to like yeah. be on a plane and be grieving and not being able to be with anybody, I can't imagine how hard that must have been. Yeah, it was literally, it was literally, it was quite literally hell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. that period of, you know, and I went back to the workshop and I said, you know, like when you get that news, the the urge to just go somewhere and scream. Like that mm-hmm. was my first react. Like, where do I go to scream and then mm-hmm. throw up? Because right. those are the emotions I'm feeling right now. So, I mean, immediately my company, bless them. They mobilized even people from church back home in Kansas City. They were like, what can we do? We need to get you home ASAP. And it was just, and I, the, pro- the problem is, is I missed my, I missed my flight because they were like, we can get you out this afternoon, like get you on the plane. I rushed as fast as I could to grab my stuff from the hotel and get there. But with traffic, we didn't make it on time. So literally I had to spend another night in Zurich, um, having all of this news and heaviness and what do I do, God? And so spent the night, you know, alone in a hotel and, it was just awful. But but I will say that the amazing thing to me is that um, in those moments in the hotel, it's like it was like this vacillation between, oh, my God, what just happened? And, you know, then you would kind of just go numb for a minute. It was just mm-hmm. this back and forth. Yeah. And in that moment, I really cried out to the Lord. And I'm like, God, I know who you are. I know who you are. And there's this, and it's something that I talk about in, in actually my book too, but I talk about, there's a scripture that I read and literally it just, I, I told the Lord, I needed him to be everything that his word said that he was Mm -hmm. a protector, a helper, somebody that was going to fight for me because I needed, I needed the fighting God. Yeah. I needed somebody to come to my rescue. I didn't need, I didn't need God to be there, there, my ch- child. I needed him to be like 
real, real mm-hmm. right now. And even in those moments in the hotel, it's just he he did so much ministry and showed me that he was so close. And even when I didn't even know what to say, and that's something else that came out in the phone call with my husband. I'm like, I don't need, I said, it's, I said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's all I had. I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, but Lord, our eyes are on you. So fast forward, yep. Finally got home from uh, Zurich, um, back to Kansas city and kind of just it was all a blur and the timing was just really funky because Graham passed away actually May 26th and then May 30th is Jesse and I's anniversary mm. and then the 31st is my birthday so he was actually buried on my birthday oh my goodness <laughs> so it was just it was just you know and at the time I'm like you know what I don't I don't care like it's it was both an honor as weird as it sounds it's like I don't I don't care if I celebrate another birthday again, not morbidly, but just like, I just, I just don't care. You know, it's an honor. It's an honor to have that on my birthday. Yeah. Um, So, but yeah, I mean, from, from that time on to the uh, burial and everything that comes after, you're just trying to find your footing in Mm -hmm. normal life and, and like any, in your relationship with the Lord as well, because you're like, God, you know, I never, you knew bad things happened, you know, you knew things happen. It's an imperfect world, but there's just certain things that just were never on your, your radar for your yeah. own life. And that was something that I never, I never considered could possibly happen. So yeah. it's been a journey, but God has been so faithful. And I think that's, that's the thing that I've learned in the past several years is that God is, is such a good comforter. He's such a good God. Like, I have experienced, and I, and I think it goes back to, you know, Lord, I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you and Lord, I need your help. I need you to be everything that your word says you are and just placing that, that demand on him almost, mm-hmm. um, in faith. Yeah. Like God, you said you were going to help me. I believe you're going to help me. Please help me. And just seeing all the creative and wonderful ways that he has done that over the past several years has just been uh, such a rich experience for me. As 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 odd as that sounds, it's been this mixture of both pain and grief and hurt, and also just this amazing, overwhelming and overshadowing by God, which I'm sure is something that you probably experience as yeah. well. You know, in your own grief journey. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because when you go it's almost like you're in this like weird tunnel like you believe that it's happening but you can't believe it's happening and you think I'm going to wake up tomorrow and this is just going to be a really bad dream but then you know that you have to actually walk through it which I think is so hard um and then there's a lot of people around you and you don't you're you know people are taking care of you and doing things for you which I think like my church did so well, which is, I'm such a big believer in community and being involved in a church because I don't know what I would have done without the church family I had around you, you know, at that time. I mean, I had people slipping, you know, gift cards under our door and, you know, just what can we do for you? Can we buy you groceries? How can, like, just so many people that surrounded us. Yet once the dust settles, you're in Greece alone. And I, 
I always say this, but I feel like my real relationship with Jesus happened when I was 27 after my daughter died, because mm-hmm. I had to decide if I really believed in this God who I had grown up with and this God who my parents said was faithful and was going to see us through anything. And it was like the rubber met the road. And Rhonda, what do you actually believe? Do you believe that God is good? Even if, and that is, I think the best thing that came out of my daughter's death. Like I always say, like, she has always been my biggest blessing because she has brought more people to the Lord from her testimony in her death. Like, it's just insane. Like some of the things that I, that I've accomplished and done, and I'm sure you feel this way too, with, you know, writing your book and doing, you know, the grief cards. And we're going to talk about that in a minute too, that you're doing. I mean, you have such compassion for other women who have walked that journey and you know that you don't want anybody to ever feel alone. And no, my dear friend, Carrie Garcia says, what's your hell? No, not on my watch. And my hell no is like, I will never let another woman journey alone in a grief process because I know what that's like to be there. So, yeah, I mean, I just can't, I mean, your story, I can't even imagine because, you know, I was there the whole time that my daughter, when she was passing away. And so I can't imagine not being there, not not only for your child, but for your husband and the other people in your family that are affected by it. You know, I mean, that's just such a, such a hard thing. And it hasn't been that long because it's been how many years for you? Yeah, it's it's been six years now since he passed away. So it's it's been a little bit of time, but I mean, what you said about you know just just how it happened and the circumstances. I think some of the things that or something that we don't really talk about as much in grief is just the voices that you hear. You know, when something mm-hmm. like that happens, and you know, Jesse being alone and me being away. You know, there are things that the enemy just, the enemy just throws the kitchen sink at you. Yeah. You know, you know, you should have, or maybe, you know, even like the cause of death, you know, that was, that was another big thing because of his age, you know, the, the state required, and we would have done anyways, but they require an autopsy Autopsy. to determine, you know, the cause of death. And, and it came back inconclusive. They couldn't even call it SIDS because of because of his age, but, and you would think, you know, there was, there was some measure of relief in that almost like, you know, we couldn't have known what was coming, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just some random thing that happened, but actually we had more unknowns because, Mm -hmm. because of the nature of how he passed away. And so, you know, the enemy would just pull out all kinds of things Mm -hmm. and say, well, maybe it was this and it's because of this. And, you know, he did slip and fall the other, you know, it's like, yeah, it's just stuff. It could make sense or not make sense, but he's going to try to take anything he possibly can to pull you down into a destructive path. And mm-hmm. we really had to fight to guard our hearts and minds and it. And it was a fight, you know, sometimes yeah. when you're just in your own, in your own head and in your own feelings, you're just, you're, you're isolated and you're, you're, you're sinking deeper and deeper into despair as the enemy's working on you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesse had have to pull me out sometimes and be like, yeah. you know what, that's, those are lies that you, that the enemy is telling you and, mm-hmm. and let's pray about it. So it's, um, it's definitely a fight in your relationship. And like you said, you know, you really find out what you truly believe 
But mm-hmm. I, I, at the, on the same token, as you're finding it out, there are questions that come up yeah. that you yeah. have to address. Yeah. And I think that sometimes where Western Christianity kind of goes wrong at times, I don't think in the things that we say, but it's almost like people, there's this unwritten thing or unspoken thing. Like if you're going to do grief the right way, you just have to pull yourself up yeah. by the bootstraps. Yeah slap faith on it, you know, and not ask any questions, put up this facade, Mm -hmm. but really true faith is exploring those questions that you have, those deep disappointments and pain with the Lord. You know, he always meant for us to go to him with that stuff, but we feel like we have to like figure it out before we get to him, or Mm -hmm. we have to present ourselves in a certain Mm -hmm. way. But I think that that facade was completely ripped down in my own grief journey. I told the Lord that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to put up a facade. I was going to, I was going to tell him my real hurts. I was going to tell him how I really was feeling. And then I actually found like these, these great models of prayer, even just in the Psalms, like David would pray and he would say, you know, God, why have you, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. And like, we read that in Psalms, you're like, oh yeah, you know, that makes sense. But like, if we thought about saying that, you're like, oh gosh, I gosh. don't know if that's allowed. You know? Right. <laughs> it's no. not disrespectful. But the thing is in so the context true. of mm-hmm. relationship, there, there's so much allowed. And I, I just determined that I was going to direct everything in me to him. And what he chose to do with that was completely up to him. But I knew he wasn't going to leave me there. You know, David came to him, very real griefs, very real grievances. But at the very end, he would say, Lord, I know who you are. I know what your promise is. And I'm holding fast to that. So it was kind of like this pattern that I went through as I was processing of, you know, I'm going to release, I'm going to emotion dump. Mm-hmm. And, and then Lord, I'm going to come let you minister to me afterward in whatever way you see fit. And I just took my hands off the steering wheel. I'm like, God, I have no control. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I'm doing, but I am just throwing it all on you. And that has been a life changer for me. I love emotion dump because I feel like, you know, we're, we feel like we have to, I think the deeper I've gotten to my relationship with Jesus, the more I realize like, he's not just my God, but he is my friend. And so you know, I can be in the car and just be like, I don't understand this God. Like we feel like we need some sort of like special place to go. And of course, yes, reverence is beautiful in the right space. But when you're going through such deep loss, you know, that's why the book of Job, I think I read Job probably a million times when I was going Mm -hmm. through it. I I didn't have a verse tattooed on my arm because I just can't, you know, you think about Job and about all the voices that were coming out. And like, even his wife was like, you know, curse God and die because right. you know, he's just, and then his friends were like, what sin did you commit to have God do all of this to you? You know, yes. and Job lamented. I mean, he tore his clothes. He was saddened. He, and we don't in Western culture, we don't lament well, like we're expected Correct. to recover, be fine, not engage that part of our story. You're going to be okay. Just get over it. You don't need to think about it. Just, you know, get move past it. Um, I mean, I had, so I had one person tell me one time, like, 
well, it's been six months. Aren't you over? Like, I was like over it. Like, I don't know that. I'll, I mean, it's going to, it was just 21 years since my daughter passed and I'll never be over it because no. she was such a big part of my life. I, you know, and I, you know, I don't ever want to forget her memory either. Like, I don't believe that God's like, get over it, you know, and just, no. you know, all things work together for those who love God. Well, this doesn't feel like all things work together for those who love God, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and so I think when we're able to like help people understand and normalize that God is sitting with us in that grief and that he, yeah. like, we are his children. And, you know, when I think about my child hurting, he doesn't want us to hurt either. And unfortunately we live in a very flawed world where things are not perfect. And we may never understand here on earth, the reasons for it. But I kind of have come to the conclusion of like, you know, I know you're good regardless. You are good. Even if, like I said, you know, you're good in the great times and you're good to me in the bad times and you know, what's best for me. And I often think I don't know the whole picture. God has a whole picture of what our life looks like. And very often we compartmentalize and say, well, like if she was here or he was here, if, if this hadn't happened, what if these kinds of things, but I believe that God sees the whole picture and maybe mm-hmm. there's something in that whole picture that he was protecting me from. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, you yeah. know, maybe not. Right. Maybe this was just something that needed to happen, but I like to believe that God saw the whole picture and knew Rhonda, I know your heart can handle it here, but I'm not so sure if it could handle it there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a really big, I mean, that's a really big question. You know, that's, I think, I think that's at the crux of all, you know, suffering in that, you know, God, I know you're good. You know, everything in your word says that you're good, mm-hmm. but gosh, this didn't turn out good for me mm-hmm. and reconciling that even just theologically, you know, it's, yeah. it's something that you really have to explore. And I really, I really asked, I'm like, you know, and, but, but like you, like you said, you were led to Job. It's like, I was led to Job as well. And mm-hmm a lot of other scriptures where you're like, you know what, just because Job went through some suffering doesn't mean he wasn't blessed. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that he didn't belong to the Lord. Doesn't mean he was in sin. You know, those blessings that the Lord gave him were real blessings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then this horrible thing happened to him. And so there's just, yes, there are things that we just don't understand, but it's encouraging to read in the Bible of others who have gone before us who have experienced similar circumstances and they re they retain that God identity. And Job is a great example of that. Yeah. It's interesting. My, my father-in-law, so my, my parents-in-law actually went through the loss of, of their son as well. When he was 21, he was a triplet actually. And, um, he, he passed away in a car accident and that was the, the book of the Bible that that Jim and Sherry just yeah. read the most as well. So yeah, it there's still just speaks today. <laughs> yeah, there's just something about that book. And you know, it, it is, it's interesting because not only with death, but you know, I've watched and walked through a lot of other losses with friends and, you know, acquaintances that I've met through the years. And, you know, grief goes so much deeper than just a death. You know, a lot of times we experience mm-hmm. loss in our life with different things with, you know, losing, like I said, a friendship or, you know, losing a marriage that dissolves or whatever that may be. And and I, you know, I 
not too long ago, walked through um, a friend of mine who was going through a divorce and that loss that she was feeling felt, felt so similar to the loss uh, that I experienced. You know, although they were very different losses, you wonder yeah. like, Lord, why? And yeah. you know, it's so funny because I was talking to her recently and she was just like, man, I, I can't get over that I went through all of that. And now on the other side of it, I look back and I'm starting to see the things that God had protected me and shielded me from and mm-hmm. how on the other side of it, I'm seeing his blessings, you know, come forth. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, the, we, we can tend to lose focus when we're in the middle of it. Like we're in the middle of a tornado and we're like, I don't know, I'm never going to get out. Like I'm never going to yeah. feel, I'm ne- I remember thinking I'm never going to laugh again. Like, am I ever right. going to laugh again? Am I ever going to be happy again? Am I ever going to feel contentment um, again? And, you know, God has brought so much joy back into our lives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he did bless us with another daughter and I just, she's amazing. And I always laugh because I think I can't imagine life without her God. So like, thank you, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> and you just don't know what he's doing. And so I think, you know, we were having a discussion not too long ago about, you know, the shootings that happened here in Nashville, not too long ago. And just, I think you can probably agree with me when it comes to this is like your heart just aches for those parents that are enduring that loss and what they're going through. And so you created some beautiful grief cards that I think are amazing. And then you're also, you also have some journals and some books. So can you tell them a little bit about those and how they can find you and all of that sort of stuff? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so actually, the timing was really interesting, because I had been working on a series of grief journals. And these are, I guess, just a little backstory, journaling was really, really therapeutic for me as I was walking through Mm -hmm. grief. And it kind of just created this space for me to process on paper. um, And then also just write down the things that God was speaking to me in those moments. And I I didn't really realize at the time, but as, you know, the years went on and the journaling pages grew, I was able to go back and see how God had ministered Mm -hmm. to me so creatively and so personally. And it kind of just became like a little testament to how God had walked me through grief. And so kind of in anticipation of my book coming out, which will be later in this year, I wanted to create almost like a companion journal to go with it. And so I created one. It has uh, journaling prompts in there and it's all on one page because as we know, sometimes grief does not go according to script. Yep. <laughs> and so I put them in there if you know the journaler wants to use them or not. And then lots of journaling pages, of course, and then also the scriptures and the quotes that meant the most to me as I was walking through grief. So it's meant to be just a place to process and pray with the Lord Um, There are, I think, like five or six different journal covers. I told my husband I wanted to make more. And he was like, no, no (laughs) more. (laughs) Sounds like my husband. My husband's like, what are you doing now? What are we doing? I know, you just get on a roll. You're like, but I could do this and then I could do this. So, yep, I made those. And then um, I also have these uh, grief. I think traditionally they're, they're usually called like grief affirmation cards, but I call them comfort cards and they are 42 declarations to 
pray and speak over yourself as you're walking through grief. And it's kind of interesting because as I was looking through the ones that I wrote, I was like, these are all things that I have spoken over myself in my grief journey. And it talk, you know, speaks to the expectation that you have about God walking with you, you know, about your own identity and um, purpose. And, you know, Lord, with you, I can face anything. Uh, when I feel like I'm drowning beneath the waves of guilt, I grab onto the hand of the one who walks on water. Mm. So just different things that I'm like, I really wanted to create something that people can both, they can process and pray. And then they all can also declare and even sort of warfare over themselves um, as they're, you know, maybe going through a challenging season. Yeah. So yeah, yeah and those are beautiful. I, I like the idea of the cards too, because like, Books and journals are great, but you know, you do close them and put them on your nightstand and walk away. Whereas with the cards, you're able to actually, if you need to put them on your bathroom mirror to remind Absolutely. yourself every morning, you know, yes. near your computer, like in the shower, even right. Wherever you need <laughs> them. Yes. I mean, you might need to put them all on your fridge or frame them all so you can read them every day. Yes. But I think that's so awesome. So how do they connect with you? Tell us when your book comes out and okay. give us all your social media handles. Yeah, you bet. So my my personal Instagram handle is Natalie in Nashville. Pretty simple. And then I also have a grief comfort page called My Comfort Journey. I'm and so it. My loving Comfort it. Journey. And then in the LinkedIn bio, I have my Etsy store and all of that. So you can connect with the journals and the comfort cards there. And then my book, it was so interesting how this all happened because I'm a novice book writer. And so I am doing all this stuff for the first time. But as I've been going through this process, like the Lord has just connected me with people that I needed to be connected with. And I decided early on that I wanted to self-publish. I didn't want to uh, publish with the publisher. For those of you who don't know, when you do publish through a publisher, you basically sign away all of your rights to that content. So if you want to make a, a journal or a study guide or or anything based off of that content in the future, you have to get permission from the publisher to do that. And if they say no, then you can't do anything. So I decided I wanted to retain those rights. And so I've been going the self-publishing route, but God has connected me with this, this group of editors who are connected to like some of the largest publishing houses like in the world. And they came together as this collective to help self-published authors to create an amazing end product. So there it's in the process of being edited now and I'm going to get the final uh the final countdown of when the release would be in the next week or two. But I'm assuming it will probably be closer to fall. I was hoping for May because this is a very significant month, but they said that's actually a little too fast. There's no way we can do that. <laughs> so okay, okay. Well, it'll, it'll be, be interesting. Longer. It'll be interesting to see when it does actually release because I feel like that is such in God's timing too. Like Yes. I wanted my book to release in March of 2020. I'm trying to think because she would have been 18. Oh. And it did not release until March of, well, February of 2022, right before her 20th birthday. Wow. And so it just like, I feel like God's timing was right on. And we weren't living in Nashville in 2018. So it was just, it was just interesting to see the way that God 
or 2020. Yeah. God, oh, just yeah. the way God works everything out, you know? Um, yes. So, yes. I yeah, as they say, the man, the man plans the steps or yep. what is it? The man God, makes plans, but the Lord directs steps. Yep. Orders <laughs> your steps. Yep. So, <laughs> so we make plans, but yeah, yeah but yeah, really the, really the book is for, I was, I was even just thinking through like, you know, who would I say this, this book is for? And I would say this book is for people who, who are just starting out in their grief journey. Yeah. And, you know, kind of like what you said, grief in Western, in the Western world is so weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've even read, you know, in, in Eastern religions, they go through this whole process of yeah. even in Judaism, which, yeah. you know, which is our, our mother, <laughs> kind yeah. of the mother of Christianity, father of Christianity or whatever. And they have this whole process that lasts like, you know, years actually yeah. of doing certain yeah. activities or dressing certain ways or start saying certain prayers. And, and out for us after the, after the funeral, or wake, you're just kind of like, what now? You know, yeah. what do I do with myself? Yeah. So and now so, we're, yeah. Now, so now we're supposed to just immediately turn everything off and go back to normal. And I think that's in yeah. Western culture. It's just so unhealthy because you yes. just don't go back to normal. I mean, you look at COVID and you think of all of the, like the, you know, all of the stuff that has left its remnants, you know, like mm-hmm. people are still dealing with a lot of anxiety in those kinds of things. It's because we went through it and then Western culture told us, well, it's time to go back to normal. Yeah. So it's people, now. Right. And yep. people are still <laughs> trying to like grieve losses of whatever changed in their lives, you know, their work environment changed. Yep. It's it's schooling change. Like all of these things changed. And I think the process when you learn to process grief in a healthy way. God is saying, we are not rushing this. We are going to sit here. We are going to tend to the story. Oh boy. Walk through it. Yes. You said it. Right. You said it. Yes. And that, that is so much of grief is just sitting in that tension Mm -hmm. with the Lord. It is so uncomfortable. We like certainty. We like to know, you know, Mm -hmm. how things are going to go. We want to know that there's an end point. Yep. And grief is just not that way. It is like, it is. And, and and that's why I say like, I feel like this book is for people who are kind of just starting out in their grief journey, or maybe who feel stuck in their grief journey as a believer, because that is, it is such a mindset switch when you realize, you know what, this is not supposed to be this like, you know, start and then close and, it. Okay. Yeah. We're better now, you know? It is meant to be walked out with the Lord and, and how you handle sitting in that tension of just feeling and not, you know, uncertainty. I mean, that is, that is the making or the breaking of, of a fulfilling grief journey, in yeah. my opinion, mm-hmm. because God, those, those are the places that God wants to minister to you. Mm-hmm. And if we're so in a rush to grab onto certainty or to say, you know, it happened because of this or you know, I want this to be done with, or I want to numb myself. Yeah. Like we, we cheat ourselves out of that fulfillment that God actually wants to bring us in our grief yeah. journey. Cause Matthew five, four says, blessed, blessed, blessed are those who mourn, who mourn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they'll become, you'll be comforted. Yeah. You know, he didn't say blessed are you who mourn because I'm going to make your grief go away. Mm-hmm. It's because you're going to get something weightier mm-hmm. than grief. Yeah. And that is, has been my experience. And so the book, the book just talks about, you know, how I processed all of that and the questions that I had and how God ministered, you know, so personally and creatively, like he, 
He wants to be so much better in our grief journeys than we than we even know. It just sometimes it's just unlocking that expectation mm-hmm. door mm-hmm. in our brains. Like, God, you know, I I've seen, I've seen what I thought is your version of comfort, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I want to be surprised. I remember praying, like, God, I want to be surprised at the way you bring about this yeah. comfort. And the book documents a lot of that, just like, just the crazy wild things that happen, God reaching out to us and saying, I see you. Mm -hmm. And you know, it wasn't about the act. It was about God going Mm -hmm. out of his way and saying, you know what? I see you, you know, I hear those prayers, which was a big part of that comfort factor in our grief journey. So yeah, yeah, I'm super excited to release it. So excited. We're excited for you. We're over here cheering you on. You've got the 24 karat tribe over here cheering you on. Yes. Yes. So I'm so happy to have had you on. Thank you so much for being on today. And 24 karat tribe, don't forget to follow us, like, subscribe, share us, share Natalie's story. It's amazing. And until next time, sparkle on. Bye.